I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. How's everybody doing today? I want to welcome D-Lay to the Unimpressed podcast. And I am unimpressed that we haven't done anything together since we're both in the, the comedy industry. And right. understand you're from originally from Alexandria, Louisiana. Yes. Right? Yes. So... Welcome to the Unimpressed Podcast, Delay. Hope everything is going well. How are you today? John, I'm glad you asked. I didn't think you would ask. I'm doing pretty good, John. Glad to be on the Unimpressed Podcast. I'm doing pretty good considering I tore my Achilles, John. Tore How'd you do that? Tore it. I'm glad you asked. I didn't think you would ask me that either. John, I was playing basketball with some friends, and here's the deal. Your body doesn't understand that you can't do that no more. Your mind just remember that you used to be able to do it, so you think you can do it. I hadn't played ball in five years, John. Got out there and didn't even stretch. <laughs> I'm, I'm good to go. I'm not worried about this. I got the ball. I made a jab step. I did another jab step. I was going toward a goal, and I heard pow. I was like, whoa, they shooting out here. What type of shit is No, it's not a shot. Nice. That's can you hoop? Killing. You got game? Got a, I got a little game. I got a little I got a little game. I'm like, or back in the day, you had game. This is my first time being injured. I got I got a pretty decent game, John. I got a pretty. I'm gonna have to show you after surgery. Have to show right. you after surgery. <laughs> and see the the thing is, I've never been injured before, John. I've never been injured, so I didn't know I didn't know what it was at all. I had no idea. I'm just you know I'm grabbing my my Achilles, and I was playing with some younger guys. We was playing two on two, and the guys like, oh man, that's not good. I don't know. I don't know. I'm messed up. I said, what is this, man? You got that Kobe. You got that that Kobe. And I don't know if you know it. But when Kobe got his Achilles pop like that, yeah, he got back up and went shot two free throws. So I'm just telling you, I'm like, hey man, that shit don't impress me. Reach me that stretcher and put my ass on it. I don't give a damn about. I'm no, nah, it's not about persevering right now. I'm hurt. Fix me. <laughs> this injury still got the barcode on it. This shit is fresh. It's new. I saw some information. You're in Vegas and now you're in L.A. What was the transition yes. of that? What was going on there? Vegas is where I started my first journey before I moved to L.A. Vegas is what I chose because I was a, I had a trade as a blackjack dealer. I was a blackjack dealer in Louisiana, so I knew going to Vegas at least I, would, I wouldn't if I didn't if I didn't get any stage time at least I would be able to you know have a job. So I went to Vegas and uh, I was dealing to sustain myself in in Vegas. Yeah. So that was the first step prior to making a jump to the NBA. I saw your hands with your deal. You were pretty fast. You count cards? Yes, I do count cards. Here's the deal, John. I wasn't your regular blackjack dealer. First of all, I believe I was the best blackjack dealer in the continental United States. That's how I felt. I felt like I had the highest payout percentage out of all the dealers that existed. And I would tell them that. I didn't have no statistical proof for this shit. I just felt like I had dealt enough hands to realize I give a lot of money away. Yeah. Now, the house don't really, they're not, they don't take too kind to that. So my first two jobs, clearly I got fired. They fired the shit <laughs> because you can't be in a casino talking shit. About, I'm the people's dealer. I'm Robin Hood. I'm giving the no, no. I, I got fired, and I don't know. I if like you that. Fired before, but John, when you get fired, it's unbelievable. You understand? 
You can't believe that they're terminating your employee. You can't believe this shit. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We keep a lot of emotions bundled up inside in life, and sometimes we got to talk to people. I witness the benefits with my own two eyes. I have a close friend that was struggling with depression and felt like she had no one she could consistently talk to because of her busy schedule. She was matched with a therapist through BetterHelp. After several months of sessions, I've seen a tremendous change in her personality and in her life. If you're needing therapy and and want to get some of those things off your chest, it's entirely online and designed to conveniently work around your schedule and empower you to be the best version of yourself. Just fill out a questionnaire and they will align you with the right therapist. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unimpressed today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash unimpressed. I lost it. I couldn't, I wasn't recollecting what it, they brought me in and he said, D, you need to come into the office. We need to have a conversation with you. And I was just down in the break room talking shit. Yeah, I'm about to go up to the office, have a conversation. But if they let me go, trust and believe you guys will see me again. I'm just playing. I'm just playing around. I get up in the office, in the general manager's office as six security guards. Six armed security guards. I'm like, hey man, this is a lot of it's a lot of security for conversation. You said you want to talk to me. What's all these? What's this shit? He was like, we're gonna get straight to it, D. Uh, you're terminated. I said, I love that movie. What else you want to talk to me about? <laughs> this, I didn't even understand, John. This man was firing me. I'm fired. So that's what landed me in Vegas after I left Louisiana, Vegas, because I had a place I knew I could deal. Is this when you transitioned to comedy? I started off doing comedy in Louisiana, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Now, there is no scene for comedy. There's only one comedy club, and it was the Funny Bone. So I ended up going to the Funny Bone to perform, but I started in an African comedy club in Louisiana. That shit don't even go together. Louisiana, African, and comedy club. That don't even go together. None of that goes together. So I'm in this (laughs) comedy club, and the club owner name is Olu. (laughs) <laughs> Old Lou is one of these pro pro black brothers, and he is all about. He don't care about nothing. Delay, go up on the stage and uplift the people. He never said make them laugh. Go and uplift the people. Make the people feel good. Yeah. Go, and I didn't have a crowd. Every Monday, it's the same seven Africans every month. 
every Monday. <laughs> Same seven. I got one heckler and the others, they really ain't paying attention to me. They're just sitting there drinking Red Stripes. Red Stripes is a drink of choice in this club. Name of the club is Club Culture. And Olu, the owner, believes in you supporting and buying a beer. He'll stop you in the middle of your set. Hey, stop this show, Dilly. Listen, I cannot run a club unless you get the people to buy a beer. How can we make a even if you don't get the people to buy a beer? I'm like, bro, you can't do this shit in the middle of my set. So I didn't grow up in your traditional comedy club where it's a comedy-friendly audience, and you can just, you know, the crowd is sitting back waiting on the punchline. No, I had a bottle thrown at me on stage one night. A bottle. I guess he had had enough of my shit. He didn't want to hear no more. Just threw a, from the back of the, just threw a bottle. And I'm like, hey, who did that? I'm expecting the whole place to be like, shh, nobody said nothing. The guy actually stood up, I threw the beer. You are not good. Get down. Every week I got to deal with the shit. After about seven months of that, I said, it's time to get out of here. I took a crazy leap and just left. Moved to, to Vegas. Didn't have any money. Actually, I had $180. Spent $90 in gas. Had $90 when they get there. Slept in my car. Just didn't have anything. Nothing. And that was the start of me really trying to get my footing under me with comedy. Well, how old were you when all this was going on? I was 23. And let me tell you something. Here's the thing. This is what you got to understand, John. I come from a country family. Alexandria, Louisiana. Okay, country. Like nobody in my family had did this shit before. This is like some new stuff for me because I quit school. And I went back to Alexandria and I told my folks, I'm like, hey, Everybody was like surprised. Like, hey, what are you doing home from school so early? I was like, I got a surprise. Everybody, y'all gonna, I got a surprise. But I was like, I quit. I quit school. My aunt, she has a, a beauty salon. She's in there doing hair. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, I quit. And she said, what? Called the whole family out of the back. Everybody. Hey, hey, y'all come here. Come listen to this shit. Come on. Everybody come in. It's, hey, dude, what you doing home? I said, I quit. <laughs> Quit. So what are you gonna do now? I was like, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go to Hollywood and I'm gonna try this comedy thing out. Let me tell you how I know my family didn't believe in me, John. And I got my bags packed and everything, and I'm leaving. I'm leaving in the morning. My aunt said to me, Well, look, I'm gonna leave you a plate in the microwave just in case shit don't go so well. What? I'm leaving <laughs> to pursue my dreams forever. Don't put no plate in the microwave. That's my family. That's my family, John. How was it with your grandmother raising you? You know, John, I'm glad you asked. My grandmother raised me because when I was a little boy, my um, my dad passed. Sorry to hear that. He didn't die. Oh, he, he didn't say, die. I don't want to be no damn daddy. I'll pass. I'm going to just figure you figure this daddy <laughs> shit, this life shit out on your own. I'm about to go join a motorcycle group. You can get your yeah. shit together on your own. I'm out of here. My grandmother, yeah, she raised me, man. Did the best that she could. Let me tell you something. I had a, my grandmother was mean. Listen, listen to me, John. I'm not talking about now. I know you hear a lot of black comedians. Oh, we got beat and we got all this other. Sh-. Now I'm not going down there. I'm just telling you, she was mean. Let me tell you how mean my grandma. My grandmother would have you afraid to ask her normal kid shit. Okay, normal kids. I'm scared. Mom, can can I go outside? Ain't no outside. I'm eight years old. You just told me ain't no outside. <laughs> what the hell? Where did outside go? Where where could outside have gone? Maybe you whooped outside and made outside run away. Yeah. Maybe you did that shit to outside too. 
Let me tell you how tough my grandmother was. I would see yeah. this not once, not twice. I've seen this on a regular occasion. My grandmother would cook. I've seen my grandmother on occasions say, boy, go in the uh, kitchen and get the cornbread out the oven. I go in the kitchen. I'm about eight or nine years old. I'm a little scorny. I go in the oven. Ah, got the little, I'm like, ma, ma, this is hot. She come in there. Raw hand. Oven on 400. Oven on broil. Take her hand. Go in there. Grab the pan. Shit is sizzling in her hand. <laughs> Little sensitive ass, always talking <laughs> shit about what hurt. <laughs> go give me some Vaseline. No, no, you the tough one. Tough that shit out. You should have got a mitt like I needed. <laughs> tough upbringing, John. Tough. Your family, you go back to Louisiana now, any or? I went home a couple of months ago, and I didn't know that they got a new dog. I don't yeah. know. I didn't know they had a new dog. I didn't know that. And my problem is they don't ever go get a brand new dog and start them off as a puppy. They go get used dogs, dogs that already been through shit. Dogs that got kids and grandkids and shit. They go get the dog. The dog got three legs. Now, first thing I noticed is the three legs. I'm like, hey, whose stray dog is this? That's not a stray dog. That's Andre. Andre, you didn't get this a regular name. The dog was eating crawfish. On his own. The dog knows how to peel <laughs> crawfish on his own. That's the type of dog that had three legs that can eat crawfish. A, a three-legged crawfish eating dog. And they get mad at me because I I didn't I didn't attack the dog. I said, What happened to the leg? Shh, don't say that in front of him. He don't speak English. He don't speak this. That's my family. I love them, but they're crazy, John. Do you do some of the similar stuff on stage? This shit just happened. I ain't even been on stage to do it. <laughs> The three-legged dog, I just found out about this Andre. They don't want, they don't want me to call him Andre. I'm not calling yeah. that damn dog Andre. Go get his other leg, and I'll fix. I'll find out if I'm going to call him that. When I talk to a comedian, it's about how quick they turn a thought. You're turning a lot of thoughts up there, it seems like. Yes, man. My mind is always, always moving, man. I've been trying to read this book. It's called The Power of Focus for three years now. Three goddamn years. I can't get through it. I, yeah. I can't get through it. I, the name of it is the power of, I can't get through it. Too much shit in my head. You know, you did some stuff with Kevin Hart. You've done some stuff with Bill Bellamy. So what is, where's, where's the love there? Is there something, something going on there? Is like, there's other projects knowing these guys. I, you know, I've always said celebrities don't do anything for their friends. So Man, I'm just wondering. That's the truest stuff ever. No, they don't, bro. They don't. They don't. But I've been fortunate enough to, to, to form these relationships with, you know, the Cat Williams, the Daphne Springs. It feels good to have the the the, the older guys, you know, stamp you and, and put their arms around you. I got a phone call one night. And I thought it was a prank phone call from Cat Williams. And what's the crazy part about it was I was in a comedy club that night talking to his bodyguard. And his bodyguard was like, hey, D, man, I was talking to Cat about you, man. And Cat is such a fan of yours. And I'm like, Cat knows? I don't even know Cat knows me. He said, man, let me get your phone number, man. I'm probably going to be seeing Cat in the next couple of days. All right, cool. Give him my phone number. I go home. I'm married at this time. I'm married. I'm not married anymore. I got out of that shit. Um, but I said, you know what? Because a lot of people in Hollywood just be talking. They just talk what I like to call Hollywood talk. They say shit that sounds good in the moment. They're not going to follow through. So 
This uh, you know, I'm I'm home at night in bed talking to my wife, and she's like, "How's the comedy club?" I was like, "Club was good. I got to set in tonight. Got a chance to work out." Phone rings. I'm like, "Oh shit! Who is this? Who is calling, trying to ruin my marriage at this hour?" I look strange number. Don't know who it is. I answer the phone. Hey, what's up? Hey, D, what's going on, man? Uh, I'm sitting here with Cat. Cat wants to talk to you. I'm like, who? Before I can get it out, uh, hello, sir. Uh, what's your schedule like in February? I'm like, uh, I got some dates open. Okay. Well, I'm gonna go to. Uh, I'm gonna be in Atlanta, Georgia, and I want to see what you can do in front of nine thousand people. I was like, okay, someone will contact you soon. Click and just hung up. I'm like, oh shit. Two days later, lady calls me, says, hey, D-Lay, we're booking your flight. Cat wants you in Atlanta to perform with him at the Civic Center. I'm like, oh shit. Oh, oh shit. Get to the venue. That day, I'm excited. Now, no, Cat is good about, take, good about taking younger comedians on the road with him, but he had already had his lineup of comedians that he was working with. So I was like, this is going to be interesting to, see where, interesting to see where I fit in. Get to the venue at the Civic Center in Atlanta. And the person who's, I don't know if this is road manager or whatever, she walks up to me. She says, hey, D-Lay, we're going to be starting the show in 10 minutes, and you're up first. And I'm like, first? I ain't been first in forever. You want me to go first? I was like, okay. So some of the comedians that's on the show know me. They were like, you going first? I was like, yeah, they got me going first. Okay, cool. I look up. In walks Cat Williams. He got about 17 people in his entourage. He's got a hoodie fur coat on. His perm is dangling. He's shining. Jewelry everywhere. He's walking through, and as he's walking, his perm is bouncing, right? And I'm just standing in place. He walks past me, him and his entourage. He stops and backpedals back and looks. He says, pleasure, sir. I was like, man, it's a pleasure to meet you. He was like, what's the order for tonight? I was like, they got me going first. When do you want to go up? I was like, I want to go right before you. Done. And he walks off, bouncing with the perm. Bouncing with the perm. I was like, okay, this is going to be good. They switched the lineup. I go on stage. When I go on stage, I can see Cat. He's in the, he's in the, like on the side in the balcony, and he's watching. And I'm doing like 15 minutes. So it's like an easy set for me. I'm about to just pop, 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 pop. I'm not even wasting no, no set. I'm just running straight through it. So I go up, and I am ripping this audience to pieces. Pop. Walk off the stage. I'm delayed. Thank you, everybody. His agent runs up to me. Chris Smith. Oh, my gosh. You are awesome. Oh, my. Do you have an agent? I was like, no. You don't have an agent? I was like, no. Here's my card. You live in L.A.? I was like, yeah. When you get back to L.A., call me. I was like, okay. This shit is good. Okay. Cool. Show's over. Next day, we have. Two, I'm doing two shows. The plan is to do. I'm going to be doing like a month run with Cat. Mm-hmm. Second, second show. Cat walks up to me again. He's got the same fur on, different clothes, same fur, same hoodie. He walks up to me again, bouncing with the perm, bouncing with the perm. He says, "Good evening, sir." I said, "Good evening." He said, "Would you like to do more time tonight?" I was like, "Yeah." How much time did you do last night? I was like, fifteen. Cool. Do 30. Walks off with the hair bouncing. Walks off with the hair bouncing. I was like, oh, this is nice. Go up, kill that show. Afterwards, Cat says, listen, we're all in the green room. This big, huge green room. He's got everybody in the green room. His security says, everybody listen up. Cat wants the green room clear. Thank you guys for coming out. We appreciate it. But we need everybody to move out expeditiously. Thank you. 
I get up and move. Delay, you stay. Oh. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Come here, Delay. He walks me to the back, and it's like this little tunnel. It's like he's walking me to the Godfather. Like he's walking me to the back. And Cat is standing there. He got his he got his jacket off, got the coat off, and he's got the perm hanging and a towel around the perm. And he's sitting there like this, and he's smoking some weed. And he says, I'm impressed. I am thoroughly impressed. Do you know why I brought you to Atlanta, Georgia to perform in front of 9,000 people? I was like, no, I, I don't know. You should know because you're next. And I don't care who brings you on the road with them. If they're the headliner, they're supposed to be able to handle whatever it is that you're bringing. The people paid to see you. Someone will be contacting you in two days and walked out and left me in the green room. Left me in the green room. Two things happened from that, John, as I wrap this up. One, it was my last show with Cat Williams. Never did another goddamn show ever again. Two, the agent who told me to contact him when I get back to L.A., Chris Smith, I called him. When I got back to L.A. that money, I called him. And I hear, we have a phone call. Chris, we have D-Lay on line one. Goes, hey, D-Lay, how you doing, man? Tone is a lot different. Mm-hmm. Hey, how you doing? I said, I'm doing good. Now, D-Lay, do you live in L.A.? I was like, yeah, I live in L.A. Good, good. Hey, D-Lay, listen, give me a call back tomorrow and we can discuss. I'm like, okay, cool. He told me, John, give him a call back tomorrow. Tomorrow shows up. I call. Phone call. Receptionist. Chris Smith is office. Hi, uh, is Chris in? That's who's calling. Yeah, it's D-Lay. Okay. Hey, Chris, uh, we got D-Lay on one. I hear, who? D-Lay. Oh, okay. He runs to the fuck. You can hear he's moving. Fast. He gets phone. Hey, D-Ray, how you doing? I said, this is D-Lay. Who? D-Lay. God damn it. And puts the phone down. Walks away. It says, tell him we can't represent him right now. And walks off. She says, uh, we can't represent. I said, I heard him. I heard him. <laughs> I heard him. Hung over the phone. I was like, oh, they just hit me with the Hollywood talk. All of that shit was Hollywood talk. But, you know, I have seen cats since then. We actually uh, had a chance to play some basketball. That's a whole other story. But Cat became a good friend of mine as well. So it's it's like again, it's it's warm to have the elders stamp you and embrace you and welcome you to the fraternity. It's like they want you to walk on your own. You might have been too good to go before Cat. Maybe that was it. Yeah, I think it was one of those things where I I needed to experience what that was and to see what the next level is because I've been doing clubs, clubs, clubs. And to see what it's like to perform in a theater, because it's a difference between, you know, a club performance and a theater performance. The bounce is different. The you got to get used to the right. laugh. Yeah, right, right. Uh, so, you know, I had to learn that. So, I, I never looked at it as a negative. I looked at it as a learning experience. You know, just to be able to share the stage or, with an outstanding performer like like Cat. So, I, I never, I never look at it like, uh, because I'm used to it. Nobody's bringing me on the road and keeping me on the road, other than Bill Belly. Other than mm-hmm. nobody else has done it. I've always been one and done with everybody. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm in a position now where I'm definitely headlined more now. Uh, and then, you know, after we, you and I had this conversation about what we're doing on social media, it's going to be bona fide, stamped, signed, sealed, delivered. 
Well, I mean, I think someone like you, you know, you just have to sell tickets. And I think you, you have the, the right act, right? You start, yes. you have the numbers now. All right. Yes. So it's defining who those fans are, figuring out where they're located. I usually do like a 50 mile radius in a city. When I book my comedians, I would only, I would have like a equation where if there's a certain amount of fans in this city, I know that I can sell this many tickets, right? The reason I know that, right? I look at the fan base. Now, a lot of people don't look at the fan base. I call it tools in the toolbox, right? So if you have a 70% female fan base, you have a 30% male fan base or 50-50, that determines the rate of the sale because a 25 to 34-year-old female is the one who buys everything online. So you have to strategize your marketing based on all that information, right? You start where your core audience is. You start building, 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 and then it it spills over to other places you haven't been. And then you, you know, you, you create a foundation for your touring. And, and I'm talking to the pioneer. I am talking to the man that started this online ticket sales shit. It is him. And I'm definitely impressed. And they don't give you your flowers. I'm going to give you your flowers right now, John. They didn't know it. Some of the people in your audience even know that you are the man that spearheaded that. It's kind of weird. I mean, I forgot yesterday. You know, I look at every day as a new day. And we basically create a business in comedy that wasn't a business. I mean, right. I, you that know. That didn't exist. That did yeah. not exist. What do you do right now during this pandemic? I mean, in L.A., what's going on? I heard it's kind of shut down over there. Yeah, Gavin Newsom just reopened California. And we didn't open it up in stages. He just opened it all up. Whatever y'all been waiting on doing, you can do it all starting on yesterday. But the comedy clubs still haven't opened up yet. Yeah. Comedy clubs haven't opened up yet. And the comedy field is online. It's it's all it boils down to if you have an online presence. If you don't have any I mean if and a lot of comedians ask, man, I'm a stand-up comedian. I'm not doing all that social media mess. They they quickly got on board because you realize, man, if I don't have anybody to talk to what if the, and I just started viewing it like this, what if the world never reopened in, yeah. in the sense that we've always known it? How do you provide funny? How do you provide what you normally provide? Then you got to create an online presence, create different avenues of funny. Well, I always said the important thing is know who's paying, which I think sometimes industry forgets about who's paying. So if you understand who the customer is, uh, a fan, you know, right. with kitten gloves, you know, you can build a good business is like the tonight show. Right. Years ago, the right. biggest Got thing on. you could do to be a comedian was go on the Tonight Show. Right. Right. I know th- several comedians have been on the Tonight Show several times and they can't sell a ticket. And then if you take a scenario where if you're an up and coming comedian, the philosophy is, all right, go out and tour, go out and tour. So if you go to a showcase, right, and there's 50 people at this showcase, those 50 people have no idea who they're going to see that night. So you come on stage you pull three people out of that crowd as fans. So you do five shows that week. You pull 15 people that week. Now we can take that and accentuate that through social media with eyeballs, because I think it's just eyeballs, create a video, create content, build the numbers faster, accelerate your career faster. Because if you do the old model in today's time, how long would it take that comedian who's an up and comer make it in the business? You got to do so many road shows, man, to get. And and if you did what we do what, 40 weeks out of the year, if you did all 40, you still because I, I remember doing the numbers at one point. If I did all 40 and I did a thousand people a weekend, 
That's 40,000 people. I can go on my Instagram live and get that 10 minutes. You know what I mean? Like it, 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 you're overworking yourself. If you don't fit into the model of how to expose yourself today, you're going to be a dinosaur. Yeah. You're going to be a dinosaur. You gotta, you gotta jump into that lane and figure out, okay, how do I get, for instance, that comedian that was on the Tonight Show that can't get booked. That audience is probably dead or they're not even buying tickets anymore. Yeah. So now that doesn't kill your career. You got it. You still got the act. How do you revive the act? How do you put the act in front of a fresh new audience? Yeah. Social media. And how do you do that? You have to put out content because having a page with no content is like having a, a network with no TV shows on it. How many people are you going to get to come over to your network? Not very many. And if I came over to the unimpressed show and it was really great, it was a dope show. And I go back next Wednesday and I can't find it. And I go back the following Wednesday. I'm done with the unimpressed show. It's too much shit out there for me to see. I'm not going to sit up there and keep waiting on the unimpressed show. And that's how the audience is. They, they they got so much shit to watch. You have to give them a reason to stay on your channel. I mean, we kind of make people see what we do. You know, right. they have to see it. You know, if they're in our network and we want to put it out there, they have to see it. It's not like they have to tune in, you know, because right. people live on their phones, right? Every day. When I signed this kid, Darren Knight, that's when I got into comedy. I created a blueprint by discovery and didn't know what we're doing because when I started, I rented the venues. I rented the venues. I rented theaters because I didn't know what I was doing. I just did it. And we ended up, we sold out 150 shows in a row. So that is a very unique situation. Absolutely. Didn't the day you have to have the right talent first. It takes talent first. You just got to know how to execute with that talent. Right. I think, and that's the flaw of agencies right now because nobody is developing talent anymore is hey man how many numbers do you have is the not even so much is the act ready not because i've seen acts that are not ready but they got a really great fan base and they go out there and they pad it around other comedians and you know let them do that 50 whatever but the act doesn't even have to be ready they're looking at the numbers how many people we think this people this just act this social media star can get into into seats how many tickets you think we'd be able to sell? They don't care about the act not being there. I agree with that. I think that's just a lazy way to do business. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of guys who operate that way, you know, they're kind of some of them getting burned because a lot of people in the industry think that these Internet acts are, are have a six month to 12 month bandwidth. Right? right. And the reason is because they were lazy and they put these people on stage and they didn't they didn't do their homework and understand that. Even though I'm going to put them on stage, they can't perform on stage. Can't perform on stage. Yeah. So we kind of took the act. I said, if I'm going to do this through social media, I got to make my, you know, my talent and the people I work with, I got to make sure they can perform on stage. And I think that's been the difference in us being sustainable for five years now with a solid business that's continuing to grow. That's the difference. And yeah, the industry has gotten burnt because of lazy decisions. I, I agree with that 100%. You have a girl. You said you're not married now. You got a girl out there. What's going on right now, John? Sadly, I'm for the streets. I belong to the streets. I I was a terrible husband, John. If they grade husbands, I got a D minus. I got a D minus. I didn't fail completely, but I got a D minus. I got to get out of these streets, John. I I, I can't stay here. The, the the dating game has changed. It ain't even the same. Like. Right before COVID, I took a lady out. She's younger than me. She was like 
10 years younger than me. It doesn't matter. If you fit my energy, I'm not even concerned about age. I just want the energies to match up. I get her. She's a bit on, you can tell she's unclassy. She ain't been a lot of places, but she's a she's a diamond in the rough. You got to brush her off, teach her a cute few things. She's a good catch. You got to have patience for a woman like that. Now, I thought I had the patience. I said, I'm going to take this lady out. I want to fill her out, have a good conversation. Dialogue is big with me. I take her out. We go to IHOP. That's a good first first encounter meeting. I don't want to call it a date. Okay, it was a date. It was an IHOP. No, it's not cheap. It's just considering I don't know you that well. You're an IHOP situation for me. So we're at IHOP, and she's impressed. She was like, you always come here? I was like, where? Here. <laughs> I was like, I mean, every now and then, she was like, they leave the salt and pepper on the table? What? Yes, they leave. Okay, I see what I'm dealing with. So I said, listen, order whatever you want. She said, anything? I said, yes, order whatever you, you got. It. Do what you think. The waitress comes up. This is when I knew we had a problem, John. She said, oh, what would you like? She looked at me first. I said, no, go to the lady. And she's got the menu in her hand. She got the menu in her hand. And she's she's like, yes, so um, let me see. I'm like, it's a fucking IHOP menu. It ain't that much shit to choose from. Just grab. You know what? Be patient, dude. This is a, you have to be patient. I'm being patient. She was like, okay, let a bitch get a steak. <laughs> what? Let a bitch, who, who? You talking about yourself? Let a bitch get a steak. Uh, let a bitch get some eggs. Um, that's it. She was like, okay, how do you like your steak? She was like, all the way. What is all the way? Where you okay, where you at? Where are you picking these girls up at? This I met her in Vegas. I met her in <laughs> Vegas. John, the lady brings the food, right? She brings the food, places it in front of us, right? I bow my head. I'm saying a silent prayer, right? I don't know what she's doing because my eyes are closed. I'm talking to God. I don't know what that woman doing. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do before I get food. I'm talking to God and thanking him for what I'm about to do. Got my head down, thing. Amen. I hold my head up. She's got the steak in her hand. She got the steak in her hand, John. In her hand. I'm thinking that she's like trying to see if it is it done enough. But why are you holding it in your raw hand? She takes the steak and bites it. <laughs> bites into it. Just like a savage. Just <laughs> bites into it. At this point, John, I want to get under IHOP. I want to get under. I don't want to get under the table. I want to get under IHOP because this woman is embarrassing. You just bit that steak like that. You you just gonna you just gonna bite that steak like that with your teeth. And she her explanation to me, John, was and she's chewing with the steak in her mouth and not even using a napkin. She's using a, a pinky finger to wipe the juice off. She said, Oh, I'm sorry. A bitch don't know how to use utensils and shit. That's when I knew, John. I gotta get out of these streets. 2021, I'm getting out of these streets, John. I'm too good for these streets. Some woman deserves me. I, I just can't stay in these. I'm too good of a man. I'm just too good. <laughs> what do you? Uh, what do you do? What? What's your daily routine? Now my daily routine has changed, John. Uh, Were you one of these that like kind of scared to go outside and all that kind of stuff? You staying in? I, let me tell you, John. Listen, you know I live downtown L.A. I was right here when the protests jumped off. Like oh, I was no. right. I didn't even, re- I just heard a lot of chanting 
a lot of chanting one day, and I'm not paying attention to it because it's been going on for like a week at this point. I don't know. First of all, I go downstairs. I'm going to check my mail. As I check, I'm walking out my building, and I see about a thousand bodies. And as soon as I open the door, I, hear, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I was like, oh, shit. This is ain't even right. <laughs> and he was like, hey, man, where you going? You're going the wrong way. The protest is this way. And I looked, I was like, oh, they think I'm protesting. I'm not protesting. John, when you protest, you got to be right. I don't even have on the right protest shoes. You can't <laughs> protest in anything. You can't protest in Stacey Adams. Because you got to be, you need some shoes with traction. You can't yeah. be out there. You may have to kick the police. You may have to run from the police. You can't do that shit in Stacey Adams. A man was like, hey, you're going the wrong way. Whose side are you on? And when he said, like, the whole crowd turned, I was like, we can't breathe. We can't breathe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's hilarious. What? A, tell me a little bit about this, the journey behind the smile. We need to talk about your book a little bit here. Yes, man. The journey behind the smile. It is my first book. I've already started writing my second book. I have already started writing my second book, John. But the journey behind the smile is my first piece. Uh, it is a story that begins. It chronicles my life as a kid. Uh, to my teenage years, to me in comedy, and to where I am today. Uh, it's a book. It took me about a year to kind of really get it going. And I definitely got to shout out my co-author, Angela Artis, who was instrumental in helping me as well. But the book, man, everybody that's read it, they, they, they're, getting, they're giving the same reviews, man. It's going to make you laugh. It is definitely going to make you cry. It's an emotional roller coaster. And the readers should definitely be inspired uh, and and know that whatever position you're in in life, you read this book and you'll see where I began and you see where I am. And hopefully it, 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 it uplifts you and it motivates you to want to do something different with your life because that's exactly what's inside of this book, a journey of ups and downs and trials. But most of all, it is enduring. You endure. You'll learn that from that book. And I'm excited. And I want to make this book a bestseller. I'm going to speak into existence. Delay the journey behind the smile will be a bestseller, New York Times bestseller. I'm putting it in the universe already, and I got to send you a copy, John. I've got to absolutely. Send you a copy. What's your drive? What's your passion? I mean, is it the angst of wanting to be heard? You're having a voice in the community. What is what it really comes from deep within? Uh, man, it, it it all of this comes from my upbringing and not having and not being able and not understanding and not having it communicated to me. The area I grew up in, the environment I grew up in, it, it actually made me who I am. I didn't like it at the time. I didn't understand what I was going through at the time. But I learned that once you, if you just keep going and not worry about, there's a hurdle in the road, just go and find a way. Maybe you have to jump over the hurdle. Maybe you have to go around a hurdle, but don't stop. A lot of people just stop at the hurdle. So I learned that from a, from a young age. And, and what I've, what I've taken with my platform now, man, I have a new, I have an organization. Uh, foundation called CHAMP. Uh, CHAMP is an acronym uh, for children having avenues to maximize potential. It is for children of slain parents, underprivileged kids, kids that grew up in impoverished areas. And I, I, I want those people to know, I know those kids to know that there are people that care because I remember being in that position. And I felt like, man, nobody's paying attention. Nobody cares. So CHAMP is definitely one of those programs. If you want to mirror it to anything, it will be uh, similar to the Boys and Girls Club. And my plan is to take it worldwide. 
to take it worldwide and to help as many kids that's in that position as possible. Awesome. Well, D-Lay, I could probably sit here and talk to you for another hour, but yeah, we, that's uh, an hour? <laughs> that was an hour. Yeah. We've been talking. Oh yeah. Cool. man. Wow. That was a fast hour. I mean, it was good. It was a good hour. Yeah, man. That was good. It was good. Enjoying talking to you. I think you're in a, an amazing talent. You know, we need to see how we can extenuate that more to the world. And I appreciate you coming on the unimpressed podcast. Uh, is there any closing words? Yes. Yes. There are closing words. Ladies and gentlemen, you can check me out on all of my social media platforms. And if you're trying to order the book, you can get it from Amazon. If you want an autographed copy, you can go to my website. It's delay.com. I-T-S-D-L-A-I.com. Don't worry about your situation today. Just keep moving and look towards tomorrow. Great message. Uh, I'm John Edmonds Cosma, CEO of Bang Productions, and we've been talking to D-Lay. Thank you, sir. We'll talk again soon. Yes, John. Thank you, good brother. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 